usable and, and stupid for mobile phones. I don't know if you noticed that a while ago, where they just made it rubbish. Uh, for what? Skype. Oh uh, yeah, I don't like the new... Um... That's why I upgraded to a previous version. <laughs> I noticed that you said upgraded to a previous version. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I updated to a previous version and upgraded. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Uh, I like so yeah, I'm recording now. It's that it. I don't like that it accepts stuff automatically. Well, it, it, it's not so much that. It's like the why are all the contacts like three times the size they used to be, taking up so much space on the side of the screen. And then Dumb. the stupid speech bubbles that take up extra screen space and you have less space for messages. It, it, it just seems like there's less functionality. Yeah, they wanted to make it work better on the telephones, I think. But, yeah. I mean, if I change the interface for the computer... All oh, right, hold on. I, it's, it's, for, it's because it's also for tablets, that's why. Yeah. Windows 8, which is a pile of shit. I don't have it. And I'm, I'm proud not to. Lucky you. So, um, yeah, I might go straight to Windows 10, but I gather it may be... I'm go Thing is, I'm, I'm basically saving up to buy a new computer at the moment, so mm -hmm. uh, I'm like, why don't I just get Windows 10 when I get a new computer in five or six months' time? Because, yeah, let's do that. Well, no, if, if I can find my Windows 8 CD key or product key to, to basically get Windows 10 for free on yeah. a new computer, I will do that. You know, I'll just install Windows 7 and go, hey, look, I'm upgrading straight to Windows 10. Wonderful. Yeah, that also you know. works. Oh, apparently I'm recording now. So um, that, No, wait, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> well, admittedly, this is going in the folder for Shatterstar Book 4 because it, the way it automates things, but I'll sort that out later. I'll just go rename uh, the file. So, well, after a rather awkward introduction... <laughs> now I'm recording as well. Hooray! Things. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get a um, description for this sorted at some point and upload it. Mm. Um, so today we will be playing the first of the Protocol series. Uh, as we as we were discussing, the Protocol series is a series of scenarios that is designed to just pick up and play. Uh, no GM necessary because everyone gets to take it in turns. Um, and and the, the claim, the number one claim to fame of the series is that you should be able to pick it up and start playing within 10 minutes, you know, before you've even finished reading the whole document. Yeah. So let's go for it, okay? Um, I've set the first scenario is called Home. It's set in a fantasy setting in which there's been a civil war, and we play soldiers from that civil war, you know. The Civil War is over, and now we're trying to go home. You know, the armies have been disbanded. It's not like we marched all the way back to some king's castle and we're told, like, there you go, you know. Um, it's like, it's like, well, what and what now? It's like going home through this place where, you know, people have committed horrible atrocities, and there's, there's lots of bad memories of things the armies did, and because it's a Civil War, people don't exactly know which side you were on, you know. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be like charging prejudice and stuff like that. So, uh, I've sent you a copy of the scenario. Um, uh, still got one minute left on the transfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a um, good thing that you zipped it up, though. Yeah, let, let me know when it's arrived. Um, and also let me know which version of it you're opening, because in that folder there's three copies of that scenario. There's the original one oh. I sent you, and then yeah. there's the, the new format one in one-page wide format and double-spread format. 
Well, right now I've got the first one that you sent yeah. me opened. Could we use that one? Sure. Okay, so just... I have a deck of cards, and the game does use a deck of cards. I'd also recommend creating a text file or something to keep track of character details on. Um... I think this uh, this system is probably good for making character concepts for more... Yeah. For other... Because I, I kind of reuse characters, not, not um, the whole character, but I usually... Hmm. Like... I might reuse a character and tweak him a bit to fit some other campaign. Okay, so... But it's it's also kind of liberating to make an entirely new character sometimes. It kind of depends how creative you're feeling. Um, getting started with X characters, you know, being, like, turfed out the army and told, right. Thing is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose this, okay, because it's... I, it would be interesting if we had been on the losing side of the Civil mm-hmm. War, and we're trying to find our way home. So just... Well, doesn't it, when doesn't we get it say to that we're, we are? Section, we, we may actually get our... No, no, it's... We, we get to decide, I think. Okay. Um, right, uh, so get your text file ready or whatever, uh, give your character a name. Hmm. 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 I want to go something Maldrum. And... Okay, Kellic Maldron hmm. will be the name of my old soldier. Can we go with something about Roman sounding? Marius. Hmm. Something, something. Delatis or something. Delatis. Let's go with that. Okay. Delatris. There we go. Delatris. So, suddenly, it's sounding like a French Witcher fan and a lot less Roman, exactly. but okay. Exactly. <laughs> okay, uh, select a role for your character. This has no mechanical benefit. Uh, right. Is there. Now, I will check because sometimes they have a random role selection thing for if you want to do it random and a, a normal, and otherwise you just choose it. Uh, oh, they do have a. Awesome. Right, we will generate our soldiers properly as per the cards. So, you will have a background and a role. Okay. Uh, you're. Uh, these will be found on page 8 of the PDF. Your background is 5 of spades. So, uh, you come from a large family, or you're an orphan, and you're from the sort of peasant classes. Hold on. The lower... Um, you know, or pa- maybe even a serf. Or fraud, are we, are we, you know? talking about backgrounds now? Yeah. Okay. On page uh, 8. So, peasants. Yep, uh, from either a large family or an orphan. And use this as inspiration, you know. Uh, Background for me, I have four of spades. So again, peasant, lower class. um, And four is learned or ignorant. Wait, Hmm. who do we get? Uh. Uh. So, I... I'm actually thinking going for a, a learned peasant because that's a um, an interesting thing. You know, I don't think he's necessarily very educated, but he's like, you know, he's just, you know, learned things in the way of the world from. You yeah. Know, he's, he's like, you know, he's like, you remember that time they charged up that hill into that bunch of archers? Yeah, that was a nightmare, wasn't it? Didn't work well. Better not do that again. You know. So. Um, so like more like he's. Um... 
not. I was about to say world weary. I meant. Uh... Yeah, I, I don't think it's like he's. It's more like he's. Uh, he's instinctively picking up, you know, like what the officers have done and the commanders, and like he's got that kind of sense of what's worked and what hasn't a little bit. Uh, right, advanced roll. For you, the Jack of Spades. So that will be a an elite or specialist type role. A mm -hmm. uh, spearman. A specialist spearman of some kind. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was yours, yeah. That's yours. I'm about that was to mine. mine. Yeah. I have to be a spearman? Yeah. Hey, hey, it was a, it was Civil War. You got conscripted. You were a peasant. It's not like you had a lot of choice. But maybe you were like this, this like second rank spearman or or like a pikeman, maybe. I'm gonna say elite spearman. Yeah. Because I lived. And I have the Jack of Clubs, um, which will be clubs is standard, so not that special, but apparently understood things a bit. Um, ah. Spearmen as well. Makes sense though, because spearmen have the longest range, and you know, range equals yeah. not getting stabbed yourself. So, so we're both peasants. My one is like he's learned a bit about life. Will yeah, you understands things? Wait, did but you, he never did you got get, promoted. I did got you get standard spades spearman. as well. Standard. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I, got, than you. I got standard instead of elite spearmen. <laughs> So, so you're like the the more skilled or possibly like officer guy, like promoted, and I'm like the bog rank and file infantry who's just kind of got a bit of a grip on how, the way things work. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, so usually these scenarios would play with about three or four or five players, you know, but we're just going for it with two. So we we've now got roles sorted. Uh, spearman are like the, the bulk, you know, the, the, the bulk of the army, really, you know. Uh, motivations, right. Motivations are on page six, right? You will get... I, now, these are kept secret from the other players, okay? Right. Um, so we will do... So I'm not going to look at page six, okay? But you... I'll, I'll draw a card. You'll have a suit and a number value. And you look at that motivation, and from that, derive some kind of character motivation. Just note it down, right? And it's not a goal, it's your reason for doing things. You know, the why, rather than the, the where for. Alright. So you have five of diamonds, sir. Mm -hmm. So take a look at that. Take your time. Let me know when you've, you've got a good grip on what that'll be, and I'll do mine. Five, you say? Five, indeed, yeah. Well... And I have Ace of Hearts, which uh, oh, I should have said you shouldn't be looking at the page when you do this, but yeah, well, I do this, but yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna look away now. Okay. Um, oh God, Hearts again. I had Hearts in the last one. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Um, is going to be very interesting um, given that he's a, a learned and sort of educated understanding fellow 
that will then be very interesting indeed. That mm. motivation. I can play that. Right. Um, next up, we take it in turns to establish a relationship with one of the other player characters. We don't really have much of a choice with who right now, do we? Since it's just this the two of us. This is true. <laughs> uh, there is an opportunity at, at one point, I think, to like spend a drama point. If you really don't like the relationship you get, you can spend your one drama point. Because we each have one drama point. You can spend it to make it a relationship with an NPC. So this is like how you view them, you know. Are, are you ready for this? Yeah, let's, so let's technically, relationships are less secret than motivations, but they can be kept secret as well, because this is your side of relationship, right? So you have the your relationship with um, Kellic Muldron is the Jack of Diamonds. <laughs> Sorry, what? Uh, Jack of Diamonds, sir. Uh, what was Jack? All oh, right, Jay. Uh, <laughs> it's good. It's not numbers because yeah, I always, I always, I'm like, which is eleven and twelve or what? <laughs> nice. Um, well, the more socially important they are, the higher the number. Is Jack, right? Jack of Hearts. I had no. No, Jack, Jack... of Diamonds. Oh, right. So it's a complex rivalry. Hmm. Well, my guy is more educated, but you're more higher promoted up the ranks and, and higher skilled as a soldier. So. I might like say something or understand something that will rub you up the wrong way, and you're like, "Well, I'll, I'll show oh, him." But I can't. Oh yeah, well, who got the most kills? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's <laughs> like you should have never gone around there. It was a fool's errand. Yeah, well, it bloody worked, though. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then my relationship to you, eight of clubs. Um, clubs is a, oh god, I consider you a burden, a, a financial burden. What? Monetary. Yeah, one of us owes the other one a lot of money. and What, I eat too much now? <laughs> <laughs> Is it... Maybe I lent you half the money to pay for your officer's commission or, or whatever, your like, upgrade to the elite spearman unit because you, you had the skill and potential but they weren't going to let you in without paying the commission. Or, and and you owe me the money and I never let you forget it. <laughs> Oh yeah. Or or something else if you want. Uh how do we spell your character's surname? Uh Um Della D E L A uh Trist with one S. Okay. Um so I put I paid half the money. His com commission, he still owes me. Uh, I think I may have paid off some of your drinking debts as well. <laughs> I'll pay you back later. You always say that. Oh, I got the most kills. Uh, yes, yes, boss, of course you did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's relationships dealt with. Of course, with more players, it's fun because you'll have like some guys who have a relationship with each other, some who don't. Because um, there, there's some scenes, some kinds of scenes which can only occur between characters who have an existing relationship, and the other characters just get to sit out and go, "Oh, we weren't involved in this scene. Cool, we get a free drama point," which um, is like one of the only two ways in the game to get any drama points. Yeah. <laughs> right, world building. 
Each player selects one ingredient from the list below. If you're playing a three-player game, each player selects two. So yeah, we'll get two each. Um, so we're back on page three again. Uh, I'd like to go with the first one, if I may. Uh, let me see. Um, technology level. I want to say kind of iron, steel, early medieval, uh, rather rather than sort of renaissance. Yeah, it feels like bronze and stone. That's going to be really weird. <laughs> Like Stone this... Age Civil War. <laughs> I hit him with my rock. <laughs> my rock's bigger than your rock. In fact, that's what we was fighting about. <laughs> <laughs> the steam is steam is just silly. Well, it could be done though. So yes. Um... Ah, let's let's punch that guy with a monocle. I don't like him. <laughs> yeah. With my pneumatic fisting device. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I agree. Steel is good. Yeah. Although, uh, do we take turns deciding this, or...? No, we, we just get two things off the list each. We don't even have to do the whole I think, list. I think we, we can if we want to. I think we should take three things each, because uh, sure. it says if you're playing a three-player game, yeah. then each selects two. Yep, yeah, okay. Um, wait, the two nations in the conflict? It's a civil war. Oh, no, but you do have, like, the, the armies, you know, the, 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 the groups, the allegiances, you know, so... Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, do you want to take one now, then? Uh, I'm going to say uh, it's going to be between kingdoms. I want it to be, like, really harrowing civil war. Okay, so really... And, it's and so not a barony like, that's... That's like maybe the king died and his sons couldn't agree who could be king yeah, or something like that. Yeah, that's good. Let's write that down. Uh, kingdom has... No, civil war. Civil war. Kingdom. Due to King Rasmus, the randomly biased. Okay, so between King Rasmus, the randomly biased, <laughs> and King Elfrid, the egotistical of course they weren't called by these names but to their faces but rather <laughs> of course by not. each other's supporters in yeah. their camps mm -hmm. okay now we're going somewhere uh all right i'm gonna go for magic i'd like it to be kind of uh low not very much kind of sort of blood magic quite rare nasty um so like witches and stuff do it but it doesn't have any any holy orders using magic or shit like that. Yeah. Kind of like the... Well, kind of like the Red Woman from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Her, her her nasty magic, which is always malicious and screws people over the wrong way, but without the sort of religious connotations, so you'll have, like, these shadowy figures operating in the background who occasionally get called on to do something really nasty, like to, to open up a mountain pass after a rock slide to let an army march through or something like that. And they're not—they're not political. They're, the the magicians are not interested in the conflict, and they are rare. Conflict, but were occasionally called upon to help one side or the other. Okay, you go with one. We—we've covered the top three. Oh God. Uh, army sizes. We wanted it to be really big, didn't we? Like, 
like sort of Witcher two type armies, you know, mass yeah, forces. Exactly. That's exactly what I had in mind. Um see what I wanna but I don't want to do that one. I want to do another. I want to do... Uh... Well, no, we already covered that when you said you wanted to be some sort of huge, harrowing, nationwide event. You know, yeah. so that's, that's all cool. All right, well, I'm going to leave you to write the stuff down. I'll just okay. say things. Um, um, go on. So name we'll go to the top four on the list. Uh, yeah, we've done magic. We've done that one. We've done... So we got one more each at this point, I think. Yeah. Um, what are common diseases after war? Oh, God. I'm thinking something like cholera, maybe. Is cholera something to do with dirty water? Pneumonia? Is it pneumonia? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tropist pneumonia strikes once again. <laughs> uh, uh, pneumonia. Isn't that like a lung thing? Uh, P-N-E-U... Yeah, P N E U M O N I A. Um, pneumonia is an inflammatory condition of the lung, affecting primarily the microscopic air sacs, caused by infection with virus or bacteria, and less commonly other microorganisms. Um, I'd imagine infected wounds were also quite common. Yeah. Uh, maybe even some sort of. Um, uh, imaginary disease that's yeah. running rampant. Well, I have I have this idea of like armies trampling cornfields and you know and like farmland. Mm. It, there's gonna be a lot of hunger and malnourishment after. Probably a bit of cannibalism. Land. Possibly, yeah. Um, Uh, possibly even cannibalism in some remote districts. You know, places where people basically didn't have other people looking over their shoulder. Where, you know, where, where they could kind of get away with it and no one from neighbouring settlements would really notice or care that much. So it, not necessarily widespread cannibalism, necessarily. No, just probably when, it, as it, when people are at their most desperate. Yeah. And... Um, probably leads to death anyway because I mean it's going to be kind of gross flesh okay I'm, I'm going to go with why did the army lose and I, I think I want it to be pride um, it's like not, not so overconfidence rather than like the, the guy in charge in charge of our force um, hmm. out of these two kings which one was on our side uh, the randomly biased, because that okay. sounds funny. Um, so, King Rasmus... You know, I stole that from Gamers, gamers 2, right? No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> due to overconfidence, he was a good tactician, but overestimated his army's ability and underestimated the size of the opposing force in the final conflict. So I'm like, going to say maybe it was that uh, they were young, more 
they were more mobile than we were. Okay. I, I was thinking like he didn't wait for his scouts to report back on the size of the enemy camp and stuff like that, and it turned out they had more forces camped around the side of some hills or you know out of sight who just uh-huh. got involved and joined in about two thirds way through the battle and just totally swung it. Could be. But yeah. Um. So the enemy. Whoa. The enemy defeated us due to greater maneuverability while we were still stuck using centuries old tactics i'm I'm gonna gonna say i'm gonna say more like more like um we were so heavily armored that our Hmm. king thought whatever you guys have heavy armor but then they just had like truncheons and shit and just caved our heads in we formed big blocks of heavily armored soldiers and were slowly whittled down by harassing skirmish troops yeah that sort of thing yeah okay um name we describe the nearest ally or enemy of our people um or, or maybe describe the king a bit more. Did he survive the battle, or is he completely dead at this point? I'm going to say he wasn't involved, so he's just capitulated, oh, and that's why we're so making yeah, our he, way he home. He was, like, sitting up on the hill with, like, all the little chess pieces on the board, and his whole battlefield thing laid out, just watching and then saw it all go horribly wrong, and he just had to watch the whole thing fall apart. Yeah. And, and, then he, and he's just, you know, publicly surrendered and buggered off and we're all just left there going well what do we do now yeah it was we if we'd stayed there we would have been captured so Mm. Um, so something worth bearing in mind in this, um, the way this is written, is that the 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 regular soldiers are all humans. The, the non-human soldiers in the army are all like scouts and irregular forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they didn't get to fill normal military roles. It's kind of Narnian in that regard, but it could also that could actually be why our side lost because we had a mostly human force because we didn't want to use the the lesser races and the enemy. Okay, just what races use. exist? Uh, be my guest. You know, it, it's it's a fantasy setting. We we decide. You know. Well, maybe in this setting, humans are just like super racist and. Uh... Or specious, I guess. And we weren't expecting King Elfried to to, to make that much use of the orc hordes. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh... <laughs> yeah, they weren't very heavily armoured. They just ran in and bashed us. Who's that? I'm a right proper basher. Yeah. Okay. So also at this point, we each have one drama point, and we're probably not going to get any more, to be honest. Because, okay, I think we're going to have to house rule a way of getting more drama points, otherwise we're just going to have one Let's each. start with two instead and see what Sure. Uh, I do know they say start with three each if you want a kind of a more dynamic and dramatic game. Oh, let's do that 
That's what they recommend. Sure. Bear in mind that we're lower than the recommended number. So, um, during, during scenes, there are occasional things you can spend a drama point on to, to change the way a scene plays. Uh, and they do have a quite a big effect, but you don't have very many of them. And at the end game, we will use our remaining drama points. And having some left over at the end is a good thing. Yeah. Otherwise, we have no agency over what happens. Yeah, uh, from the house rules, I'm going to suggest uh, that once per game, we can each award a drama point to the other player if a scene has gone really well, or if they've run a really good scene and we'd like the way it went. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Hmm. That is actually in the optional rules of every um, every protocol scenario. But Right, so... Uh, so we'll have an opening scene we then run four scenes each but we can't run two scenes in a row so if there were more players it would be a somewhat random scene order but you know everyone would get a go before everyone else did you know and when we each run four scenes we come to the, the finale the welcome home final you know bit when we actually get back home to our village our little shithole in the middle of nowhere <laughs> as it were uh, right uh, opening scene will be a... The opening scene is always a vignette, and in this one it will be either desperation or worry as a focus. So a scene will have a location, right, and a theme. Uh, yeah, there'll be a scene theme and there'll be a locational theme, and whoever's running the scene just like looks at the cards, looks at what they've got, and go, okay, what can I do with this, okay? So a vignette is a, a short piece of narration. It's setting the scene. It's like a couple of minutes, and then uh, and then we go on to the next scene. Also, we don't need to worry too much about continuity. This is like a, a snippet of little snapshot scenes and episodes, you know. So there can be gaps between scenes. All right. Yeah. Uh, do you want to take the opening scene, or shall I? I don't mind. Um. Well, you've got <laughs> you've got all the information. The so yeah. So. Uh, wait, should we, before we start, should we uh, share a, a document on some, somehow? Like, sure. uh, I'm thinking something where we can edit at the same time. Uh, do you have Google? I, I have no idea what you mean. Um, probably. Like, do you have a Google account? Yeah. Well, Actually, I've we can got just... a Google Chrome web browser that I can use for stuff. Hold on. I'll it see. does that. Google Circles thing, which I really don't understand very much. It seems to be basically some kind yeah, of Facebook weird. ripoff. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Uh, there we go. Um, Is this that Google Documents thing or something? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something else. Uh, okay. Well, so uh, I'll be drawing a a um a, a card for location. Okay. So for scenes and locations, they're all gonna be on page seven. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh, so main thing about vignettes, there's no actual dialogue between players. There's no direct Yeah, I, I saw that. You know, I read that. Simple. Oh, okay, then. Cool. Um, let's just use this. Um, we'll use something better later because we could just share a Google document at some point. Because sure. you, oh, you can edit that's... those at the same time. This is just... Would you like me to put something on there, then? Yeah, it's just... We can... Um, you can just put like the world building information you wrote down there. Yep. Uh, are you 
on here or what? I mean, uh, yeah, I'm on. Okay, there you go. That can you see that? At yep. All? It's in blue. I'm blue. Yes, you are. I am lighter blue. <laughs> you're, you're a kind of yeah, but we can tell the difference between the two. That's fine. Yeah. So there's some information for you. Right. So uh... also our names. Whoops, Daisy. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. Um... I'll put mine here. Whoops, Daisy. Uh, so, so that I know that that's me. I will post that in there. Kalik Muldron. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Player names are helpful, aren't they? Indeed. There you go. Hooray. Oh, you know what? Um, I'm going to put this as well. Uh, because it'll help. Um, so I put background role and relationship just as a reminder for us there. the fear or the uh, motivator was whoops <laughs> what I shouldn't oh, tell you the, the, the secret thing <laughs> that I shouldn't be seeing yeah 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 yeah. I, yeah, I'm not I, I kept that, that secret for now the, the motivation although it's an interesting one yeah I wasn't sure about mine but I'm I'll just I'll okay, just interpret well, the, it as best I can and then we'll see the afterwards. last two scenarios I played we uh, as players all uh, pretty much you know shared our our motivations openly just to like talk through what we were doing and stuff just to get a hang on things well most of us did you know okay um so uh location is 10 of spades 10 of spades is a war-torn or forced out uh 10 is notable site okay ruins so we start you know, imagine a bird, a crow, flying over a large, vast field. The field is full of mud and blood and bodies, all lying still. Uh, men have long, most men have long since fled the field. Others have, have thrown down weapons and are trudging away disheartened and disillusioned. The crow circles down, seeking its first meal. And that was our opening vignette as our two characters trudge away disheartened from the battlefield. Cool. We go to our first scene. Uh, do you want to run the first one, or shall I? I don't mind. Uh, you, you do it. Okay, so it's, it's me, you, me, you, me, you, me, you, and then the big end. So... Uh, looking at page seven, just so you can see how this is done now, I have the Queen of Spades for scene. So that's an ensemble, which will include all the characters in the game. Oh, that's so characters. many. Uh, Queen Internal Conflict. And the location is the Ten of Diamonds, which will be a notable site again, but this time Plagueborn or Void. So, as our two soldiers trudge away from the battlefield, 
they approach the remainder of King Rasmus's camp. Alright? Uh, you know, there, there, there's abandoned tents, trampled, you know, broken spears lying around, bits, bits of equipment discarded in the hope that enemies pursuing would just, you know, pick them up because they're more valuable than going for a quick kill. And as our heroes, well, our anti-heroes or, or victims or whatever you want to call them, uh, approach the edge of the camp, they see the, the baggage train, you know, the supplies portion of the camp, where, where food and things would be kept. And there are flies buzzing around the supplies. It, in the last few weeks leading up to this battle, the supplies had spoiled, you know. There were... Ah... Uh, yeah, there, there are maggots crawling around in the spoiled meat. A uh, sack of grain has split its contents spilling across the ground. Uh, yeah, th this is not food to be taken. Kellogg looks at Marius and says, You see that, boss? That don't look good, that don't. Ah, you're a genius, Kellogg. Why would someone let good food go to waste like that? We've been... We're going weeks. Most of this could have been eaten before it had gone off. But no. King Rasmus and his men were all talking about rationing. Making sure that we didn't eat more than we should and had some left over. Well, that's all gone to waste now. People probably had to do what we did and leave in a hurry. Aye. Well, it's a long road back. We're going to need supplies if we're going to make it. Mm. Maybe we should see if there's anything edible left. Oh, I don't think... Um, do you want to go poke around at the butt of your spear, see if there's anything worth finding? Mm. Okay, you, yeah. you, you rummage around in the food for a while and are pretty disgusted at what you find. There, there seems to be very little ah, stinks. It is, it is all terrible. There's, there, there's a few like um, a like a half a sack of, of oatmeal that could be used to make porridge, but that's about all that's really salvageable. No, well, I suppose, I suppose this is better than nothing. Aye, we best be on our way then before anyone else comes to rummage around through this lot. And as they turn to head off into the gloom, it's the end of the scene. And you get to run one. Yeah. So your scene, your run, will be a six of diamonds. So a interrogation with, the, with a theme of hunting or foraging. So maybe while we're looking for more food. And the location will be four of diamonds, uh, plagueborn slash avoid again, so something to stay away from, in a clearing in the forest, so something dangerous to be avoided. Uh, so in an interrogation, you pick another player who is not yourself, to which, uh, and you steal a drama point from them. Okay. So well done, you. You have one of my drama points. <laughs> what? 
Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> four to you, two to me. And now you get to ask me five questions, either in character or out of character. And this can be framed in the scene as you desire. Uh, if I want to avoid answering it, right, I'm not allowed to refuse to answer any of the questions unless I pay a drama point to refuse to answer the question. And and avoid avoid yes or no questions. Go more for understanding the character kind of questions. Things that would show why they behave a certain way or things they do. Uh, if the interrogation is in character, the director may ask for questions from the point of view of an NPC or his own character. This process should feel organic. If the interrogation is out of character, the director just asks the questions in an abstract fashion as if going through a list. Uh, so uh, your, your scene for a is, second. yeah, your scene is around a theme of hunting and foraging for food and avoiding or the plague and infected land again in a forest clearing. Enjoy. Yeah, I'm just thinking <laughs> need to set the scene. Interrogations too. are the hardest ones to throw at a new player first. You know what, I, I think Kellick has like really big mutton chop sideburns that are like, you know, yes, turning quite yes, grey. Um, you know, it, it's like under his leather skull cap with the ear flaps, and you can just see these sort of grey sideburns sticking out around his saggy old face. Mm. <laughs> and he's a bit pudgier. Yeah. Marius, I imagine, is like a hulking man. <laughs> Man of 300 with slow motion action replays and everything. Yeah, he pretty much. people with his spear. It's what he very... did in the army. Imagine <laughs> him being very, very serious. Uh -huh. Um. Hmm. Alright. So, okay, I also... It's weird with an interrogation. Does it? Does a scene have to be... It's, I don't know... Uh, interrogation scenes in the past, we've had a uh, an accused character in a prison cell when I was running when I was playing Doom King. Yeah. Uh, when when we did uh, when we did Five Broken Swords, we had a one of the characters was a witch and she was trying to find out information on where the last thing was and she went up to a, a hillside with a set of standing stones, and I had an old druid come out from the shadows of the stones and, and ask her some questions along the lines of what is your name and what is your favourite colour, uh, before he would give her the information that she sought. Uh, and what is the average flying speed of it? No, it wasn't like that, but it was like... But it was almost! It, it was like, so you seek the fifth broken sword, and there are five members in your company. Does this not seem significant to you in some way? You know, it was questions like that mm -hmm. that would just kind of lead to another... And it's like... And, and then the information he gave her in the end was, go and find the other member who left your party. You know, the, the, the one who abandoned the quest to help cure a city full of plague-ridden people because he was a leper and he, he wanted to help out. You know, and he, it just really spoke to him. He was guilty and just stayed there. Because he, in the time you've been away, he has found out where, you know, where the fifth broken sword is, you know. It was stuff yeah. like that, and there was another one where, um, when she went to claim the fifth broken sword in the big finale with the, the evil sorceress and all the zombies attacking and our, our heroes fighting, my paladin with his magic holy scroll, 
he was very Dark Souls, my plaid, and it was hilarious. Not 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 very. He was like Darkest Dungeon Templar Crusader type guy. <laughs> okay. Um, and we had a, a kind of battle mage who was obsessed with trying to turn things into stone, and he had actually ended up turning the our our witch into stone in the end to save the world when she'd stolen the fifth broken sword. You know, and then then it, it worked out. But we were the five broken swords. It was great. But it was a so the sword asked her questions before it would grant her the power that she sought. And, you know, no one else heard it, but she was just seeing us getting, you know, like, mauled by these zombies and, like, holding on to this thing. And these questions were appearing in her mind. So it, there's, there's different ways it can be done. And then, of yeah. course, with the Doom King, we had, like, people speaking in... We, when we did Doom King, like, three quarters of the scenes were all in prison cells and, and like, monastic cells in monasteries and stuff. Mm-hmm. It led to a very interesting sort of court so intrigue. So, basically, kind of I can do any scene I want. Yeah, within the... Within the... Uh, um, six of diamonds for and and then four of diamonds parameters that have been given to you. Hmm. They're, they're, they're just there to help frame the scene a bit, really. You know, I, I've, I've suggested. Right, that... I'm going to say, <clears throat> okay, right, I've got it. I okay, think. cool. Well, we got hunting and foraging in a forest clearing and 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 avoiding or plague and um, yeah, go for it. Uh, Kellick and Marius make their way through uh, through uh, a forest, hmm. uh, reasoning that keeping off the roads is a good idea. Yeah. And as the sun sets, uh, they have increasing trouble finding somewhere to make up camp. Mm. Nowhere okay. just seems quite safe enough, does it? And uh, the growling of Kellick's rotund stomach mm-hmm. informs him that he is in fact very hungry mm. oh, I'm waiting for the questions to start um, I, I have notions but carry on after a few moments of trudging in the darkness Kellick and Marius uh, see the flickering of firelight ahead. Ooh. Ah, uh, so so now you can just ask me how does Kellick feel about this situation or something like that, you know. Um. Or, or you can ask me in character, you do what you want, you know, it, it doesn't even need to be Marius, it could be someone else. Mm. Exactly, nice, I'm, I'm thinking situation. it might be someone other than Marius. Uh, someone at the campfire, maybe, or someone who sneaks up on them while they're standing there in the darkness mm-hmm. looking at it. So, in that uh, case, do they become separated, or because he's being called out and questioned? Uh, okay, so, yes, right. I, I got it. Okay. <clears throat> uh, just as, as Kellick hears a branch uh, break, and a twig break behind him, mm-hmm. uh, he feels something hit him hard uh, at the, across the back of the head oh! as Marius calls out his name. And all goes black. All right. And when Kellick wakes up, he's on his knees. Well, no, that's not... He, no, because he can't be on his knees if he's... <laughs> no, I, yeah, he can, he can be. if he's uh, tied to something. Or, or yeah, he's... Okay, something. we'll say he's, he's, uh, he's tied to a branch by his okay. hands. Uh, and he's propped sort of against the tree. No, 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 scratch that. 
Kellic and Marius are tied to the same tree. All right. They're sitting on the ground, and the rope is tied around them. All right. Uh, pinning their arms in place. On opposite sides of the tree, right? Uh, or, yeah. Like, side by side. Uh, I'm going to say side by side, but Marius is completely out of it. So this, this... is another fine mess you got me into, Harvey. Is that all right? <laughs> uh, in Mar- you're not sure if Marius is, is breathing. He's too far away oh, for you to great. see. Okay. And a uh, a man with with um, with plate mail on that is uh, darkened walks up to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see we got one of King Rasmus's men. Both for you, yeah. You can't see very well because um, they've tied you to a, a tree a bit further away, and uh, you, you can make out there's a few shapes around the fireplace. Mm. Um, Kellick hesitates for a moment as he takes in the details of the scene, and then decides it's probably best, you know, given his peasant's garb and his accent, to just play the fool. And he says. Well, sir, in this war we was all forced to fight on one side or the other. That doesn't mean we agreed with what our bosses meant, mind. You know what it was like. I knew too well. I fought too, you know. I'm sure you did, sure you did. I fought very well and strong too, I gather. Better than us. enough of it. He, He kind of you know, trembles a little and, and, and looks around again, you know, s- squinting in the firelight. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of what the, what their motivation is. That's okay. Uh, well, let's see, we've got, uh, we got, Themes of hunting, foraging, uh, and the, the plague and the yeah the, the, the spot supplies. I have an idea. Okay, yeah. Um, out they of character. Qu- jokes, uh, don't we? Out of character question. Sure. How do you feel about Kellic uh, being schooled in uh, in healing? Not like, oh, I can brew up a magical potion, but you know. But, but like. Use honey; it's a powerful disinfectant. No, mix it yeah. in with some of his moss. And, yeah, okay. Kind of old peasant remedies that his grandmother used to use. For he's he's just remembered some of them. Sure. Mm. Okay. Um, Although that is one of your questions, because not a character question. <laughs> yeah, that was one one question down. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. Oh, I thought that was your second one because you did ask if he if we'd fought in the war. Oh, so I suppose yeah. Okay, well, two That's questions cool. left. I'm not really that fast. Yeah, you, you've got like three more. It's fine. You know. <laughs> Let's go with two more because I'm I'm having trouble figuring out what he wants. Okay. Uh, behind the the black armored man, mm-hmm. there is uh, you, you hear someone coughing, and it doesn't sound good. It sounds like uh, like. Um, Oh, that's a nasty case of the Wilburys, that is. <laughs> he, uh, he kind of murmurs something to himself, like, oh, dear. You say something, fat man? Yeah. 
It's a nasty cough, but yeah. Well, what about it? That's a nasty case of bewilberries. Old man Withers died of bewilberries. He's two years back in our village, cause he. Uh, my my old grand, she tried to save him. She tried, so she did, but he wouldn't take his medicine. I mean, it helped at first, but in the end, he just weren't taking it often enough. The man looks at Kellogg with uh, skepticism, but the man's increasing hacking and coughing behind him makes him look desperate. You think you can, you can cure him? I, I, I can try. I can't make no promises, mind. You, you got any, uh, you got any trefoil in, in your packs there? What, what the fuck is that? You got any plants? Uh, we've got some rations left, but... Right, you... And some clean water. You go out in the forest and find me some moss. It grows on the east side of trees, only the east side, and it's got a kind of orangey-browny tint to it. You bring me back a good few handfuls of that, and some honey, and some milk, if you can find any, but if you can't, we'll have to make do without. And I'll, I'll brew up a, a potion that might be able to help him something brilliant. Promise, mind. It's not poisonous or nothing, won't go, won't go wrong. I mean, if it will, you can just kill me. It's not like I'm going anywhere. If it doesn't work, we're going to kill your friend. Aye, uh, you could do that as well. He kind of looks very uncomfortable. <laughs> but he owes me money. Oh, he's not going to say that to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Although he might remind him later on. All right. Okay, so you got about one question left at the most, I think, at this point. Yeah, um, he... Hmm. It might be an out-of-character question, because sure. I, I don't think he's got anything left to, to ask. Uh, so he scurries away to... Most of the details of that recipe by this point, just to be clear. <laughs> he scurries off to get the things you asked yeah. for. And um, about half an hour later, he, he, ha he arrives, with, and sadly, he couldn't get any milk... But the rest of the ingredients he's found, or okay, something I'll, I'll like what you asked for. Water, then, uh, he unties you. He unties you, but he ties uh, Marius back to the tree. Okay, that's up his last question then. <clears throat> trying, to, trying to think of a, a question. Right. I can think of a few, like, are you genuinely trying to poison the man or help him or anything like that, you know? Yeah, out of character, are you Are you actually... I'm genuinely trying to, to heal him and make him better, and I know he'll need to take the medicine for, like, two or three weeks before it will be a full cure, you know, and this is rarely a fatal disease unless, you know, but he will need to be, you know, take it regularly. Uh, you know, every night before he goes to bed, and and I'll tell them that, and I I will hope that they remember that, but I don't know that he will. Okay, and scene, and you know what? That scene went in a rather different direction to what I was expecting. 
I, I thought it'd be like to do avoiding the campsite and stuff. So you know what? That was a good scene. I'm going to give you the bonus point for the game that you get there. Yeah. So that takes you up to what five now? <laughs> yeah, oh, but I'm God. gonna. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That'll be interesting. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I'll just have God. to hope to get some more later on, or not spend any. Um, um I'm gonna say that it works, and the man releases you and even put some food in your belly because you helped okay. save his his friend. Uh, the cough seems to lessen, but it's impossible to say if the remedy worked or not. Alright, well... We, that's uh, he informs you that his name is Lars. Do you want to write that down, just in case we forget? Yes. Uh, uh, Lars is a man who's questioning or the... Black Knight is named okay, Lars. Not the ill man, okay. Okay, but that so was the, the ill man, we don't know, it doesn't yeah. matter. We, we go to the next scene now, which will be King of Spades. So Spades is an ensemble, so it will feature both of our characters in, in conversation with each other, and maybe some NPCs as well, with a value of external conflict. And Ace of Spades, <laughs> war-torn slash forced out, and value a campsite. Right, so we'll never will know if the um, if the medicine worked because in in the morning there are shouts and cries in the woods. You know, enemies are approaching the campsite, drawn in by the campfire. You know, men with spears and axes chasing through the woods. You know, lightly armored forester types. They come dashing into the camp and attack. The Black Knight Lars rises to fight off them, and. Um, Oh, you know what's coming now, don't you? Uh, Kellick scrambles to the tree where the now conscience, conscious uh, Marius is tied up. And he, he starts fumbling for knots, trying to, trying to untie him. And he says, come on, come on, Marius, we gotta go, we gotta move now! There's fighting and everything! What the... why aren't you tied here? Did you do this? No, no, come on, just shut up now and move. We don't have much time. And in frustration, he, he grabs a knife from the packs by, you know, flip the food by the side of the fire and, and starts cutting Marius free. So no time to talk now. We must gotta go. And he ducks as an arrow whistles past into the side of a, a tent, you know, like splitting the canvas and just quivers there, hanging, dang, you know, dangling at an odd angle. Uh, there, there is a mighty roar as Lars the Black Knight hacks down one of the foresters, cleaving him from, from shoulder bone two-thirds of the way down to the bottom of his ribcage of a single mighty blow of his hefty sword. Bloody hell. And, uh, and you know, and, and then arrows begin to thunk into him. Uh, the, the men, you know, the friends free themselves and, and, and grab a few handfuls of stuff that might be valuable or useful and, you know, leg it out of the camp and that's the end of my second scene. Mm. Yeah, with the sound of battle fading behind them, you know, the Black Knight Lars, sort of like, you know, down on one knee but still willing to fight. Many of the attackers defeated and we don't know, how, you know, one or two of his, his fellow camp members ran off into the woods. You know, the, the whole camp's kind of scattered. And we're just lucky to be together. And it's a scene for you. Yay. With uh, Eight of Spades, 
So spades is an ensemble again. Eight is illness or injury. Oh, that's quite easy following the last scene. If, if one of us finds that that arrow that funked into our backpack as we were running actually went a bit deeper than we thought. Uh, Queen of Hearts. So resting slash supplies. And Queen is bad weather. Okay. So we, 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 we managed to escape the attack. The weather's taken a turn for the worse. We're, we're, we're resting or low on supplies or, or, or taking stock of our situation. And there may be illness or injury as well. We, we could just be traumatized by the violence we've just seen. Here, over to you. And it's an ensemble, uh, so it as, reaches both of us again. Uh, does that mean both of us describe the scene? N no, because you're the one running the scene. Right. It means both of us have agency over the scene? It means both of us roleplay our characters within the scene, but you are still the GM of the scene. Right, And, and okay. when, it, when it comes to a natural close or feels like a good time to stop, you just say, okay, stop. And don't don't be afraid to, to stop a scene early, you know. All right, good, because like that's how I felt last, yeah. last one. If it seems like a good cliffhanger or something, just leave it there, you know, cool. and we cut to the All next right. one. All right. Um, as the rain thunders down around them... Mm -hmm. um, uh, Kellick notices that Marius is walking a bit sluggish. Here. Come here, big man. Lean on me. You know it makes nah. sense. I'm fine. And he offers him his shoulder. <laughs> I'm fine. Oh, well, I suppose you know what would be in the officer and all. Uh, enough and of that. A, a slight smirk around the corner of his mouth there. Uh, you're never gonna, <laughs> you're never gonna leave, let me live that down, are you? No, probably not. But much good that commission did. We lost. Aye, we did, and we deserved to. A bloody Rasmus! I swear I'd ring his. Ah! Marius may... touches his. Uh, uh, the, his side and his hand comes away red. Ah, shit. Kellick moves to support him. He says, here now, come on. Stop here. Lean against this tree. Let me get a good look at that. And he glances back, you know, fearfully over his shoulder. It seems like the arrow that went into the tree grazed him rather deeply. Okay. Oh, bugger, he says. This is bad, you know. It, it didn't go in, mind. It's a surface cut. It's uh, it, it's deep, but it didn't, you know, didn't puncture. Not like a, an arrow, you know, when an arrow goes into a man, right? It, it went past and got you. All right, fine, that's great. Look, Shut up, please. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can find something to bind this up with. Are you going to be good to walk? I'm fine. Ah, oh, bugger. This is well bad, this is. And he, he kind of, you know, you can see that kind of guilty look on his face where he, he feel, you know, he knows he said a bad word and he shouldn't and he feels guilty, but he doesn't want to say anything about it or draw attention to it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say, um, 
All right, I'm going to ask, what, what, what does he do? Does he run and try and find help, or does he... He's going he's gonna to go try and find some something to treat, to create a sort of poultice with, to, to apply to the wound and then bind on. And he'll just, like, rip up a cloak or, or his sleeve, you know, to, to hold this, this pad of, of, like, moss and vines and stuff in place in the hope that it will help prevent infection. Because, right. that, that, and he's thinking, that's all we can really do for now until we settle down somewhere... And can get this guy proper medical attention, but you know, if I go find people in the woods now, they're likely to kill me. We were, we were just fighting, and we we don't even know who was on which side. But uh, he does know that the the men who attacked the camp were out of uniform. You know, they, they'd come in plain clothes, so they couldn't be identified as being one side or the other. Because they were, that's they were exactly, clearly that's, up to no good. That's what the Black Knight did too, because they yeah. used to do that in the olden days. Oh, like yeah. a black a Black Knight was like a a Ronin. Like, mm. kings could hire a black knight to do shit and then just say, I don't know about that guy, I don't fucking know. Okay, so, so Kellick rushes off to find supplies, uh, you know, medical supplies, and that's the end of the scene. There, I was going to say, I, no, I was going to say, uh, okay. you fix, you try to fix him up as best you can, uh, and the right. two of you keep walking through the, keep, tr- bleh, keep trudging through the rain. Sure. And see. Okay. Okay, our next scene will be one from me, my third scene. Uh, three of clubs. So, oh god, it's a vignette. Oh fuck me, the theme of revenge. What? And the location is six of hearts. Um, hearts is resting slash supplies. Uh, six is village or town. Got it. I've got it. So, we trudge on through the rain, looking for. Um, you know, a place to stay and rest. And up ahead, we can make out, you know, like candlelight in windows. You know, the, the, the faint dark shape of buildings through the, the through the rain that is looking like it'll slowly building up to a storm. All right. And we approach this village, and we hear uh, the sounds of laughter and and. So, you know, music that you wouldn't call very well played, but kind of like, uh, you know, sad. It's it, no, it, it it's sort of cheery, happy folk music, but with a sad kind of note to it. Like people are trying to cheer themselves up when they don't feel they really believe it. And as we come to the the um the front of the village, there's uh you know a there's, there isn't a surrounding wall around the village, but there's a kind of low fence, okay? Mm-hmm. And in that, so we were still able, in that fence, there is a, a big gateway. Think sort of wide, wide west, wild west sort of town entrance. You know, there's like a couple of posts with something strong across the top, right? And, and there are a number of bodies hanging from this, you know, from this gateway. And, you know, stapled to their chest, you know, painted in, you know, stapled to their chest are like sheets of, uh, like, sheepskin, you know, and and painted crudely on those in blood is the word traitor, which has been, like, nailed to these people. And, and we recognise among them the Black Knight, Lars and his armor hanging from a gatepost, branded a traitor by the people of this village. 
and we you know we helped him we don't even know if he was on our side or not and the realization dawns that something horrible has happened here and that the people who attacked his camp might not have even been soldiers after all and that they're now celebrating the horrible thing they have done and that oh, was our vignette with a theme of revenge with uh resting or supplies because we were coming into supplies of village or town so over to you for your third scene all right uh ace of diamonds so diamonds is an interrogation again oh shit man you're taking <laughs> all my drama points and I don't even get the game bonus drama point for that vignette. Oh well. <laughs> I, and actually, I'm going to give you one for that because it was it was it was good. I liked it. Thank you. Um, but you get uh, just because you're about to steal it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, no. Now I didn't steal anything. Plus minus zero. Yeah, I know. Um, so it's a interrogation with a theme of desperation. That's very fitting given our current situation. Exactly. And the location is 10 of clubs so clubs is desolate or isolated so probably not in the village and 10 is a notable site so ruins a temple kind of stonehenge thing or you know anything you think like the town graveyard or something hmm. enjoy so you get to steal one of my drama points and ask me some more questions so what's that do now take you up to like six to my two or something no i've got five yeah okay that's still a lot though yeah um <laughs> cool i'm gonna say uh marius and kellick make their way away from the village avoiding it for obvious reasons mm -hmm. and after a few um after a few miles uh they rest up at what they think is an abandoned uh, temple for all intents and purposes, it looks abandoned. Sure. One of the walls has fallen down, and uh, some vines have been allowed to grow up one of the walls. But when they are inside, um, they notice there's a frightened little girl there. Okay. And my questions are going to be out of character. Sure. Go for it. Um, does Kellick have any family in, that's been, that might live in the surrounding area? Um, let's say he's got a cousin who married a girl in a village round in this, round this way, who he hasn't seen in about three or four years. Uh, let's call him um, Cousin I was going to say Cousin Edric but I, I'm really tempted to, say, to call him Cousin Lars now just to really make it <laughs> horrific but no uh, let's go with Edric sure and sure. Uh, his daughter uh, Ilya Called Marissa. Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah. Um, Although he's never. So that would mean 
Ilya would be like two or three years old at this point, because Edric and Marissa have only been married about three or four years. Oh, no, 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 because um, Kellick hasn't seen them for that long, but they might have been married longer than that. Yeah. Sure. Um, the the little girl looks uh, very, very hungry. Um, okay. And uh, when you go into the temple, she looks uh, she looks like a a frightened animal, ready to bolt at the sign of trouble. But you do recognize, um, for some reason, this this child looks very, very familiar to you. He he, kind of sorry, you can't see me here, but he kind of you know. Looks at her, you know, like it, you know, his head goes slightly to one side, his eyes narrow a little like that. Do I know you? Sort of look, but he doesn't say anything immediately because this is an interrogation. And the first, and I thought all the questions were going to be out of character, but the first one was, so that's cool. Uh, the the girl just shakes her head, um, backing away a little bit mm. in, into the the darkness of the. Temple. Uh, Kellick raises his hands as if to show he means no harm and, and takes a couple of steps back slowly and bumps with his left shoulder into um, into Marius, who may very well grunt due to the, to the injury he's received earlier. <coughs> Bugging me. <laughs> like, is he trying to get Marius' attention? No, he, he's just, like, backing away from the girl to show he's not threatening her and, you know, didn't realise exactly where Marius was standing. Um, you notice a, um, um, that a few paces off, uh, there are... Um, there are horse tracks okay. leading away from the site. And some uh, human-looking shape lies by the side of the road, covered in um, in uh, dirt and uh, and almost concealed by the high grass. All right. You're kind of struggling with this interrogation. Well, I'm 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 just trying to set a scene. Oh, okay, the sorry. questions are gonna questions are gonna come when you, um, like, out of character yeah, okay. to you. Um, he he looks slowly across to the girl, and then lo- looks back at the the shadow by the side of the road, then to her to see if she seems to have noticed it. Uh, she does, and every time your eyes. Uh, go to the the shape. Uh, the little girl whimpers and and sobs slightly. He, he screws his eyes tight shut and doesn't want to look. He suspects something very nasty has gone on here. And and he he wants to be fatherly and approach her and, and look after her. But after the things he's been through in the last few days, he just doesn't know if he can muster up the you know that that side of his character right now. Uh, if um, uh, actually, I have it. <laughs> uh, 
So uh, do you? What do you do? Do you uh, do you make to to leave, or do you take the girl with you? I or... think he'll. I think he'll try and reassure her that they mean no harm, and and let her know that sadly they don't seem to have any food they can share with her right now, and he probably will try and take her with them, you know, for her own protection, if nothing else. Alright, I'm gonna say end scene there, and then okay. we'll see what, so we can randomize the outcome. Okay, so just so you know, we only get one more scene each before the big finale, before we arrive home at our own home village, so we're, we're very... Nah, I see. Hmm. We're, we're close, right? So hmm. this is your penultimate scene to run here. Hmm. I see. <laughs> so, um, oh, okay, I was about to launch into the next scene. I was just letting you know that we're... It, it's all right, well, let's, let's, bit, m- let's move know. on. Okay, so my next scene will be Nine of Diamonds. Uh, diamonds is an interrogation. Aha! Fuck. Give me one of your drama points. There you go. <laughs> Hooray! I have three drama points now, and you have four of them. Okay. Uh, so it's an interrogation with a theme of taking an oath or paying a debt. Well, I think we all know what this is going to be about, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a location will be two of diamonds. So, oh God, plague born and avoidance again in the wilderness. So, we are in a, a piece of a barren scrubland bet- between forests in the open. Um, you know, Avoiding farms, avoiding villages, trying to keep out of trouble. Uh, The little girl, while still traumatised and and hungry, has, over the last few days, uh, shown a few rare signs of happiness, which are are few and far between. You know, she she almost danced once when she saw little little fireflies and and glowworms late at night. She was so happy. And and there's been a few few things, like... um, I almost want to say a butterfly and maybe a rainbow, given all the rain. And there was just that, that childish innocence that just was seen on her features briefly. And uh, Marius knows the that you know supplies are running low. They've had to salvage and, and scrounge to to stay alive. Okay, and the journey that is nearing its end but supplies are really low and soon they might have to go you know rob a farmstead you know raid some farmer's barn you know other other soldiers they've even seen other soldiers doing so but so far they haven't dared to do so themselves because they you know what he's also wounded still you know he's still recovering from his wound uh does he is he concerned that it's get, getting infected and that he might not live much longer. How does he uh, feel about the wound he's taken? Because he, he's been wounded before on the battlefield, but afterwards he was generally tended to by the king's own surgeons. Uh, well, army surgeons, you know. Um, not the ones who actually tended to the king personally. And I think... this time it was just his mate trying to patch him up a bit with a little bit of you know, what he's picked up from being patched up before. I think maybe he is trying to distract himself, and um, uh, maybe seeing the girl innocent and and happy has 
kind of takes his mind off it, so he, he tries to ignore it more than more than obsess over it. Okay. Um he also the matter of that debt is is it weighing I don't want to say is it how does it weigh on his conscience? He knows that soon they'll be home and they'll they'll get back to their old lives and, and all parts of their military past will be gone apart from that debt which will still be hanging over him. Does he, you know, it's possible that his friend will will waive the debt completely, but you know he's been kind of nagging him about it, just just jokingly <laughs> over the I, last few weeks. And how how does he feel about this whole situation? Uh, Marius, when thinking about this, glares at Kellick and thinks, uh, if he mentions that bloody debt one more time, I'm going to deck him. <laughs> okay. Um, Given, okay, so given that he knows... Right. This is... It's hard to frame this question in a way that it that doesn't sound like answering a question and giving information. You do it anyway. Like, okay, so... Does he, it... does he consider the possibility that Kellick is using this to help Marius get through the hard times, like as a distraction mechanism or uh, the, a coping the child, mechanism you mean? for himself. No, the the debt. D does he think that the debt is maybe something Kellick is clinging on to, uh, you know, both to keep himself sane and to to give Marius something to focus on? Yeah, I think I think it's it's part um, it's part serious because it was an investment, mm -hmm. but he he also realizes that. Uh, or, or Marius thinks that Kellick is probably smart enough to realize that um, that that it was outside both of their control what happened. The war was lost in no part due to their um, okay. brave efforts. So he thinks that Kellick is probably just ribbing him to, to get a reaction out of him, to get a rise. Alright, so that's Three questions. Um, how does he feel about the girl? Um, because you know, once they get back to their village, someone's going to have to take responsibility for her, and it, it may very well be someone else in the village. But how does he feel about relinquishing that role of guardianship? Hmm. And I know what my last question is going to be now, but. I'll... I think for, anyway. I think for him um, the main thing is that she gets home safe and that and that um, nothing happens on the way. Okay. And finally, late at night when she's sleeping, shaking in her sleep and crying out with nightmares, how does he feel then? How does that make him feel? about her when she's she's suffering like that and there's nothing he can do to help he uh mm. he feels his wound ache okay that's that's your last question so you get to run your final scene now before we come to the big the big end which will be mm -hmm. A collaborative kind of thing. Cool. So you have five of hearts. It's an interlude! It's our first interlude! 
Right. <laughs> Interludes exist to include two and only two characters who have an existing relationship. Okay. Um, every character who is not involved in the interlude gets a drama point. With two players, it just means, oh, bugger, it's us, then. However, um, with an interlude, I know there's a possibility of making it with a player and an NPC instead. Uh, interludes and... Uh, I can't remember how to use drama points to in interludes. Oh. Give me a moment. Mm -hmm. um, interludes, drama points. Uh, I must say this version doesn't have much regarding how to use drama points in scenes to modify things. That tends to come in the later ones of the series. Yeah. Um, especially the Doom King, there's lots of fun you can have with spending drama points there to go, I'm going to have this you know, scene be with an NPC. Actually, in the Doom King, at any time, anyone, at the start of any scene, any one player can spend a drama point to play the king in that scene if the king is present, because the king is totally mad, so and people can take turns to play him, you know. Uh, interlude... Okay, so now. Uh, scene runs as long as the director likes without being self-indulgent, just cool scene when it comes to a close. Um, okay. And your location is... The Joker. The Black Joker. Oh, this will be interesting. What? Um, uh, let's see. House rules on Jokers. House rules? Uh, no, don't seem to be covered, so the next card... It... Oh, add one or two Jokers to the deck. When drawn, the director gains one drama point and delivers a short monologue instead of running whatever scene they were supposed to run. <laughs> Yay! If you, if you want to, so so you can have an interlude featuring both our characters, or you can just get a drama point and which is gorgeous and deliver a short monologue in character. War, war never changes. <laughs> no. Right. Oh, that was my monologue done. Okay. So. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. Jesus. <laughs> or would or would you like to just draw a new card for location? Uh, let's just do it, draw on you for location. Okay, seven of diamonds. So, Plagueborn slash Avoid again. Seven is a city square. Or the town square in our village we're coming back let's go to. Town. Let's go with town yeah. square. Uh, so, it's a... a so with a, is this the final scene? This is the final... No, this is the penultimate scene. Yeah, but the scene before we come home and arrive. So it could be like people are hiding in buildings, they don't, or, or we don't know if we're going to be accepted or what. You, you run it. You know, it's, it's an interlude. Right, right. both of us. Uh, what was the first? What was the first thing? It was. It was an interlude with a um, five. Uh, oh. Worry. Okay. Worry. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, Marius and Kellick, and of course uh, Ilya. Uh, enter the um, the town square, still a few miles off from from their respective houses. Okay. Uh, the two of them being uh, being almost neighbors. I've decided now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure, that works. Um, but there's something off uh, as they as they near the. Uh, the town square, they notice that people walk a little faster. And they uh, mm. avert their eyes 
people who um, are indoors, they close the shutters, close the doors. There is a palpable air of suspicion. Stand close. Don't look now, but people are looking. What the hell is that problem? Kellick kind of holds the girl a little closer, you know, to make sure she doesn't wander off. Uh, yeah, and to protect her from prying eyes. The girl uh, just looks up at you, not not sensing the same thing you are. But she does look a little bit confused as to why everyone is walking away faster. Hmm. So can we actually end the scene there? I, I have some interesting ideas for the grand finale. Sure, but... sure. Okay. I just wanted to set up the scene. Awesome. So we have now some drama points. I have Four. three. No. And you have how many? Four. Okay, so here's, what, here's how we do the, the big ending, right? The, the final, like, uh, epilogue or, or the grand finale is a series of vignettes, right? You have four drama points, you get four vignettes. I have three drama points, I get three vignettes. Because you have more, you go first, because that way <laughs> you'll have one, and, you know, I'll have, you know, I'll, that way you won't get two in a row so much. Yeah, I get to start and I get to finish. Yeah. And these are, you know, about how it all comes to end. So there's no dialogue. It's just, and it's about, you know, our characters' lives after we get back or something. And I, I do, however, have this really great idea of, like, we, we get into town and they're flying the other king's banner and they, like, hate us for, you know, choosing the other side. Despite well, just, they originally back that side. Anyway, go for your, it. Your turn. Fuck. <laughs> you, you, you get the first all right, I have to, I have have to start. Another point. Um... <laughs> Okay, uh, and these are completely freeform. Yeah, the, the, and, and a vignette is just a little bit of description. It, it's narrative. There's no no interaction with other players. It's just describing something that happens. Mm-mm. As they trudge on through the town square and onwards towards the road, um, uh, it, it can be as little as just a few sentences. Yeah, um, uh, I'm going to say the uh, the sky with uh, a dark patch of clouds uh, ominously coming their way on the horizon. Okay, so there's a storm coming. Yeah. Nice. See. You. Okay, uh, so we now have three each. I will go. As, as we approached the center of town, we, we looked up and saw um, King Elfrid's banners proudly displayed. Um, no soldiers seemed to be present, and the banners looked like they were homemade by a bunch of peasants who hadn't really seen them recently, but were just kind of copying what they knew they should look like. And, and we get the feeling that you know, the locals are desperate to fit in with the new regime and and to denounce anything to do with King Rasmus's army. And we know and we know that originally they backed him when he came and conscripted a load of them and they were all pro him, but now he's lost, they've completely changed sides. 
and we we are concerned, but we will not be well accepted, and especially the little girl, because we don't even know which side of the village she came from was on. And that's me done. So over to you. Um, as uh, they make their way through the town square, getting ever closer to their homes, um, the villagers. Uh, recognizing them as soldiers for Rasmus's army, spit on the ground and curse them. Do they jeer and boo as yeah. well? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the little girl is noticeably afraid. Mm. Uh, okay. Um, may I? Yeah, same. So, um, there's, there's a horrible horrible incident that follows in which um, the style of the girl's clothing makes it easily recognisable which village she was from you know because it's local designs for local people and there, there, you know there, there is an ugly mob that wants to lynch her it, it turns very nasty um, Kellick speaks and tries to protect her um, and, and he tries to, you know, he, he wants Marius to run away with her, but he knows Marius is injured. And, and he tries to appeal to their sense of, of good nature because, you know, that he's grown up knowing these people all his life. This is his hometown. How can they be like this? And, and she's just a little girl. She's just a child. You know, what has she ever done wrong? And, you know, stones are thrown. One smashes into his jaw and, and dislodges one of his teeth. And, and he staggers under the under the seething anger of the crowd um, but when they when they realize what they have done to someone from their own community they, they are less eager for bloodshed you know it, it kind of makes this you know it makes the situation more real and brings people back to their senses a little after how badly they've beaten him as he, as he lies there all bruised and and broken remember I still have one more vignette for him so over to you uh, Marius, having taken Kellogg's advice, hasn't moved all the way out of the village, but witnessed the beating and, uh, of course, shielded um, Ilya's eyes from the whole affair. And as he marches back to his, his friend, he, uh, he carries the or he helps um helps him to his feet and puts an arm uh, puts his arm over his shoulder and uh, keeps trudging on home. So it's a few. Oh, I've got to do this! I've really, really got to do this, and I I know it's my last little vignette. Okay, and. It is horrible. All right. So it's now eight years later. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, there's... Uh, there's news has come that King Nuldar from the kingdom to the east has been looking at this kingdom with hungry eyes and 
King Elfrid's recruiting officers have been coming through town. The young girl, who's now like 13, 14, has come to say goodbye to her un old uncle Kellick because she wants to join the army. And and he pleads her not, you know, he, 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 she knows he doesn't want her to go. And, but she, she's all buoyed up with the, you know, the, the, uh, the glory of war that is to come without, you know, while, while as a child she witnessed the hardships, she's, she's been persuaded that this time it's going to be a lot better than that. And as she heads off down the garden path into the village with a smile on her face, you know, old Kelly, he stands there in the door of his hovel with his heart breaking, knowing that he may very well never see her again. And that if he does, she will return changed. And never once again be that smiling, innocent little girl who, whose face he once saw light up with the glowworms and the fireflies that that late evening, dark one night on the journey home. And now you get your final vignette. Six months later, mm -hmm. Marius wakes up. That old ache from his old chest wound never quite healed properly. Whenever the cold sweeps in, that old pain makes itself known. After dressing himself and... and... Uh, eating his breakfast. He goes into town to uh, to work the forge. And the people, they all greet him with uh, with the same um, friendly neighborhood, neighborly uh, way that they always have. As if the war that raged and took his his son's life as if that war had never happened as if the war he was in had never happened wow okay and there we have it there's an ending no yeah. How did you enjoy that then? It was good. It was a bit uh, dark. A nice little, uh, yeah. It, I like it that it's self-contained. I mean, I, personally, I would have like had a couple or more on the end. Yeah. But you know, it, it, it depends on your nice, drama points, I guess. Yeah, it, it it's nice with more players, and I I have noticed a way of power gaming the system. Well, right? basically, it doesn't say very much what a vignette is. You can just a My character is awesome! A vignette is a short piece of description. So, well, technically, in theatrical terms, a vignette is a, a tableau, a frozen scene, alright, but a person stands on the side and narrates the tableau and describes it to the audience and, and what people are thinking and feeling, and that's it. 
it, it's a bizarre theatrical technique from the like 1920s and 1930s, may, maybe late 1800s, but it hasn't really been used mm. you know, since like, sound in cinema, really. You know, it's it, but mm. as a as a term to describe something, it's it's a good way of of doing it. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I liked it. I thought it was uh, it was interesting. I thought. Mm. Um, like I, I wanted to keep it hanging in the air if uh, if she died or not, so I decided his yeah. son died instead. Yeah. Because he was from a large family, so he probably had some sons that got conscripted. Okay, so in a larger game with many players, the the way to to power game the system is to avoid, and and the thing is, there's not a lot you can do to avoid it, but. If you don't get picked for all the interrogations and you get to sit out all the interludes and basically your character operates in the background and doesn't do very much, and it's kind of like the quiet one that people don't want to know about or don't pick on very much. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the end, you have so many more drama points than anyone else that you wipe the floor with them, you know. Yeah. So like when... Well, in a vignette, are you only allowed to talk about your character? No, no, God no. In a vignette, you're allowed to describe... it. Well, in the, in the end game... You, your, your character is supposed to be the central theme of each of your vignettes, but up to that okay. point, a vignette is... It, it could even be like the villain talking to his henchman miles away or something, you know. Yeah. Um, they fought well, but they died. <laughs> yeah. I mean, over. when we did uh, Five Broken Swords, I ended up with something like five drama points at the end of it. Yeah, five. Which was like three more than most. You know, two of the players had none left at that point, so they had no control over the end game. Whereas my crusader, who'd sworn a, he'd been given a magical scroll protection against magic, and he'd be, he'd sworn a, to return the object of their quest back to the temple, to to the high priest, to the archbishop, or whatever. It's like, yeah, he totally fucking dominated that end scene then, because he just had so many little vignettes of, and then this awesome thing happens, you know. As it was a big final show. Oh my god. What? I just had, like, an idea for an even more awesome vignette. Yeah? Like, what if, um... What if the new king with hungry eyes, what if Mm. they won? Yeah, and it's it's just as bad. And then, and then what if the girl came home? Oh god, what if the girl had defected to his side as a traitor? No, the girl came came home just like we did. You know what? That should be and... the next time we play this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But it, but it is cyclical, I suppose. The whole uh, you know war and soldiers going home afterwards. It, it, not sort of modern so much, but you know what I mean. Yeah, the it is. It's coming a... home afterwards and going, oh god, how do we deal with this real life now? You know, yeah. people aren't trying to kill us every day. You know, people get all <laughs> yeah. twitchy and jumpy. Um. So. Regardless of how grim and dark the scenario turned out, how do you like the system? As a... I like it. I like it as as something you can pick up and play, and it's quick and easy. And and. Uh... Mm. So I I I um I'm gonna try and get hold of a few more of these scenarios sometime soon, and see if we can get a few more players. We we, we can probably get Swedish Johnny he, and and Marius from Romania. They they loved the the times they've played this, so we we can probably get them together for a game at some point. Yeah. Um. We should definitely have uh, Ilya as a character <laughs> in the same world. We, we never even established if it was her. Um, I, right, I know Marius will absolutely refuse to do the vampire scenario because he's from Romania, which is where Transylvania is, and he hates vampires for that very reason. Cause <laughs> all, the, all the pop culture around them and everything's like, oh, God. Ugh. 
You know, I can understand that completely. However, I, I would, as I said earlier, I'd love to play the, the aging vampire who was in a cinema with some young girl because she dragged him along to see a vampire film. And she's all exposed and she's, she's like amazed at how romantic it is. And then he's like, oh my fucking God, vampires don't sparkle. Yeah, I, was like, this is, oh, I, I can't God. bite this. Just kill she me thi- now. She thinks I'm like this. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the big finale for that one is called Accepting Twilight or something like that. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it, where it's like what happens with the vampires you know, fit you know into this his... new society or they just fade back into the twilight dream like state they've been in for centuries you know, oh, do, you know what, do you know what Marius's fear was or what no. is it, sorry what is motivation oh, hey, we, we should talk again. motivations yeah uh, it was defiantly fearful I, I think <laughs> it was it was weird I, I interpreted that as he doesn't want to die okay so so if someone like challenges him to do something brave, he'll be defiant about it. He's he, not like, going to be cowardly about it, but he's going to be like because he's afraid to accept it. Yeah. Um, mine was irrational acceptance. So he he irrationally believes that the king and army he was serving were in the right and doing the right thing, uh, yeah. and believes his place in life, you know, as a peasant, as you know, his in the social standing of things. But he he accepts that things went wrong and that they lo- we lost but he ex- you know irrationally he believes we deserve to even if we d- we didn't do anything wrong but it just went wrong and hey that's you know we deserved it so clearly we had angered the gods or something you know so he had something there you know oh man I, if, if we could get the right people it would be hilarious to do the six thousand dollar movie one <laughs> yeah <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. Mm. Oh, ironically, in, in that folder I sent you, you'll also have uh, my my notes from when I played the Doom King scenario and the Five Broken Swords scenario. I saw that, I saw that. Um, so yeah, for Doom King, wh- when I first sat down to create four characters and play it myself, I played for a few scenes to see how it went. We had uh, Lord Maribus Charltree, the Royal Seneschal, or Hand of the King. Uh, his motivation was selfish. He wanted to uh, get his son on the throne because he believed that his son would make a better monarch than anyone else in court, and he deserved some kind of, you know, reward for his long years of service. Um, he he um, his relationship to the jester was a, a, a long-term, long-standing relationship predictability it was kind of stale and dry it had a very sort of gormenghast feel to it where they were kind of like you know a, a bit like the uh the spider and lord littlefinger in game of thrones that kind of you know they know each other well and they're just kind of very relaxed about the whole thing you know um yeah you know, god long-term contempt for the king but what yeah, so we had him. We had we had Derwent the court jester, who was like a chaos cultist who was working to undermine the court, but was in love with the pr- no. So Derwent was spying for this evil secret society, and all of his performances were actually ritualistic in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and the queen would often support each other, like you know, come to each other's support in like conversational gambits, like that little bit of backup when someone desperately needs help mm-hmm. um where queen well, why does who, one person have drama point zero uh because they got taken away from them 
uh, there was an interrogation or something. I can't remember, but um, and, and then oh god! So after the queen, who like long-suffering queen, who puts up with the king's mad rule and and thinks that in the end her her child will, will sit on the throne because that's what is deserved, you know. Um, and then we had Crown Princess Emmalina, formerly Crown Prince Oswin. Um, oh it, it was like right motivate. So just reading from my notes here, right? Role heir apparent, motivation. Twelve of Spades, impulsive lust. The prince is a randy bugger, basically Charlie Sheen from his latest two sitcoms, <laughs> who doesn't really care about responsibility of the position that is due to him so much as he enjoys the power it will bring. You know, power to compel people to say yes. Then I went, okay, relationship, let's make it to the jester, because, you know, Derwent the jester, the dry old middle-aged entertainer, you know, um, because no one's really, not many people have defined that yet, you know. And then it, then it was like ten of hearts, romantic, and they love each other and trust each other implicitly. And I went, okay, just to keep this a little bit simple, let's turn the prince into a princess. Then I went, okay, let's really mess that up because the king is mad after all. So the princess has been living a lie as a prince her entire life because her father refused to accept that he'd had a daughter because he wanted a, a son. But which so one of these are you? Him. Oh, I was all four. Because I oh, was, right. Uh, th that was my test game to see how the system worked. Oh, and get my head I see, and I then see. Then after that, um, we, then after that, we created a, if you go down to the, after my little uh, scene summaries of how they might play out, we get down to the bottom. Ah, it's not in that one. It's somewhere else. So I, because I, I played when I played it with the boys you know um, we had a we had different characters um, and I kept that somewhere else apparently not in this folder that's annoying um, that is because ah uh, what was it I, I ended up playing the, the chancellor Paul played the, the general like the, the head of the armies sort of thing um, mm -hmm. and Swedish Johnny played a, a noble woman of the court um, who at one point got arrested on suspicion of murder because of a crime scene that the, the others had investigated and she was mm -hmm. questioned and eventually set free and all sorts of things happened and it, it ended with the, with the Queen's father coming in and invading to, to stop this kingdom going to war with people that it you know uh, you know wars it couldn't afford you know really bad you know armies being sent off into foreign countries they hadn't even declared war on with no supplies and all sorts yeah you know, it was a disaster mm -hmm. um I, I can't find my notes of that one that's most disappointing uh, oh, well are there any in the yeah. series we don't have yet but caught your fancy um I don't know. I don't have the site up anymore. Okay. Scroll up. Let's drive through. Um, so I'm really looking forward to doing the, the Angels and Devils one. I, I strongly suspect it was inspired by that new television series called Domain or Dominion or something and, and the other one called Supernatural. But you know what? It could still be a lot of fun and good stuff anyway. Yeah, the 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 one with the where you run two at the same time. I, yeah, I like that. 
um, where basically everyone plays an angel and everyone plays a devil, and you're playing the, the conflicts building up to like uh, you know the, the big final showdown between good and evil, and, and you each play a character on both sides, and then at the end you run this big mass vignette. And you go right. How many drama points have you got for the good guys? How many drama points have you got? How many drama points have you got for, got for your angel? How many drama points have you got for your devil? Awesome! Because you're going to have to do both, you know, in this big final climactic battle. <laughs> and the battle is a series of vignettes, you know. <laughs> yeah. With with Ooh. like this big giant devil, you know, being aroused to stampede across the face of the earth or something, and and the angels are trying to like prevent it from happening or trying to fight it as, as it's finally been raised and the devils are you know bickering over whose fault it is that things went wrong and all sorts of things you know i think it'd be a load of fun but i'm thinking it's definitely an advanced one for when people have had more experience with the protocol system to then go now you're going to play two scenarios at once mix it and, and you and you you run four you run four angel scenes and four devil scenes as in and and, and it can feature both but it has to feature like you, you're the target of this scene, predominantly. And then after everyone's run, run four angel scenes and four devil scenes, then it progresses to the end. But they, they have some stuff like, um, uh, you know, if you draw a joke, you, you can have like, if you draw a joker, the game ends early. If you draw a face card, the game ends early. You know, things like that to, to make it a more like, whoa, it's, you know, it's all over. That came a lot sooner than we expected, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm liking the Joan of Arc one, where it's like a space station falling apart, trying to save the damaged space station before yeah. it kills all of you, you know, sort of thing. That could be an interesting one. Um, uh, Conspiracy X. Conspiracy X. What's that one, then? Talk me. Uh, is a story role-playing about... Uh, about aliens, government conspiracies, and paranormal activity. Character takes oh. the role of shadowy agents working to neutralize an alien threat <laughs> and, and suppress the knowledge. Man. Basically, so, you're, the, you're the Men in Black. Oh, okay, I was thinking X Files, but yeah, or well, X Files. Everyone brings their own thing to the table and their own interpretation of how it should play. You know. Yeah. Uh, Life on Mars. Wait, they they got one called that. <laughs> <laughs> not from the series it's that actually on Mars <laughs> we should we should make our custom one life on Mars yeah there's a life well, on Mars I've, I've only seen like one and a half episodes of it and it was the last two. Oh dear yeah so... the Joan of Arc one yeah that one seems cool mm. okay I might grab that then um as I said, I'll see if I can get the other boys to, to play at some point. Uh, maybe like on a Saturday afternoon or something. I'd say know. the Joan of Arc one and Conspiracy X, those are the ones I think. Because okay. then, then we've got a bit of... Uh, a bit of... A bit uh, of versatility. Uh, yeah, exactly. We've got a bit of... Uh, stuff. Uh, oh dear, there's, there's one... Uh, mm. There's one collection you can buy for... Forty dollars. That's for like the first twenty-five. All twenty-five. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. No, I'm I'm going to just stick with getting them individually as and when I can afford them because I'm a bit tight right. on money right now. Forty. So much as. Trying it? to find the conspiracy X one. Ooh, uh, I can link you. Thanks. Um, I I know they've done a few other things that I want to play around with, but I think it's a it's a great system with a lot of potential. You know. Yeah. 
Okay, I'll pop that on the wish list for now. That's one pound ninety. I've got some money, just just not a lot that I can afford to spend on myself at the moment. Yeah, I can um, track you. I, I can like track the, you some. I like the fact that it uses a single deck of cards. Um, and the, yeah. It, well, and that the cards don't go back into the deck unless you exhaust the entire deck, in which case, you know, shuffle and continue. But the game's probably over. This time we yeah. got about two thirds of the way through the deck, I think. Yeah. You know, I <laughs> I kind of want to play the continuation of of where it all left off for us, man. Yeah, but not with the same characters. Just like um, just play, as you said, play the uh, the the girl and some other character. Hmm. Yeah, I, I you know I've had that recently with a few things. I've been like, you know what. I'd be interested in seeing what happens with this character next after that game, you know, just like following their story a bit. Um, yeah, oh, here's the other one by the same guys I really wanted to get hold of was The Death of Ulfstatter. The Death of Ulfstatter is a story role-playing game about the death of a Viking king and the actions of his vassals during the traditional week-long mourning. Players take on the roles of the vassals, using the week of mourning to promote their agendas and sully the reputations of the other vassals in a final effort to prove they are the most worthy of sitting on the throne. As the game progresses, we not only learn what kind of vassals serve under Ulfstadter, but we also learn what kind of person Ulfstadter was as well. In the end, Ulfstadter will set ablaze and, and the smoke will carry his soul to one of the four Norse afterlifes. Folkvanger, Hel... Is that Folkvanger? Hel... Helgafjell or Valhalla. And the new king or queen will be crowned. Death of Ulfstatter is a competitive game. Characters cannot fight or kill one another during the week of mourning, but everything else is acceptable. And I imagine there may very well be bloodshed in the, in the big final showdown aftermath. Ooh, that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Frankly, I thought the other ones were more interesting. Oh, yeah, but that's it. Different things for different people, you know. Uh, the, the, so the basically vie for for the favor of a, a Viking king. That could be fun, though. Well, like, no, no, because bit... it's, it's, he's dead. So, oh. so remember that in, in Viking society... Uh, kingship is not hereditary you know a new king will be elected there's a very good chance it'll be his son who has been raised all his life to be the next king and been you know he will have a good chance but a lot of other people will be vying for power you know okay so okay so but it's still interesting because i'm swedish so i'm a viking oh man j j just wait till i've finished reading um uh Gr not not green ronin uh cubicle seven is it Cubicle 7 or Cubicle... Cubicle 7 did a brilliant Viking role-playing game called Yggdrasil. And I'm reading it now. It is gorgeous. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice, fairly simple system. Lots of fun to run, and I can't wait to run it. It's the life tree. Right, so it's it's a historical role-playing game, right? Yeah. So uh, Vikings living in the Viking era, in the Viking world as they believed it to be. Right? So... While it's not high fantasy, fantastical elements exist. You know, like there are Thor giants. And Odin and and... Yeah, but most people won't interact with them. They exist because, you know, it's not a purely historical setting. It's what the world was like for these people at that time and how they believed it to be real. 
if you know what I mean. So kind of semi-historical fantasy. More like two parts historical to one part fantasy, because they all believe the fantasy is there, so it's there, but that doesn't mean they're going to get to interact with it. But they might. Yeah. I mean, I I played two games, right? first game I played... uh, it was fun. There was a, a princess was going to marry a, a you know, well, some some well, yard's was daughter this? was going to. Oh, this was uh, this was Yggdrasil. This was uh, at a few conventions. I played a couple of scenarios. Yeah. We we played a scouting party sent to look out for a chieftain's daughter who'd been pledged in marriage to someone. Um, on the way down the coast, her ship had been attacked by slavers, and she'd she actually had rammed their ship with her own ship. And then, as it was going down, she took her crew and ran off into the woods to to make out on their own and survive. And and we tried to attack the slavers who were trying to fix their ship. You know, we snuck up on their camp to attack them, and they took one of our number prisoners. So we came back and negotiated the next day, and and then found out, oh, you don't have them at all. Ah, oh, shit, you know. And then we kind of ran out of time at the time slot for that one. Second time, I played a berserker, and I picked a fight with a giant. And it didn't. Well, no. Sorry, sorry. Um, we were we were looking for a chief's son who'd gone out hunting and not come back. He'd been gone for a few days. You know, a load of the tri- of the of the village's greatest warriors went off looking for him. They found the local giant who lives up the valley and picked a fight with the giant. And two of them came back alive. One of them was in a fit state to hold a conversation. You know. So we went off into the woods. You know. I was like, okay, so we can go up that way to ask the old seer what he knows. We could go and try and ask the giant, or we could go like hunt and so, you know find things on our own. Um, so our chief sent some, sent the berserker, right? Who I was playing, you know, I was playing the berserker. I had declared that I wanted to see the injured man, so I could see just how much damage the giant could do, so that I could truly appreciate how dangerous it was when I went to fight it right so so we go off into the woods and um it was like then our party war leader made the mistake of sending me up north right on my own in the woods to scout up in a direction it's like you know go that way scout for danger because we know that there's been some hunters from an enemy village seen nearby recently possibly you know just just go look for things out that way well we'll have someone else go off east right so a berserker, unsupervised, goes into the forest. First thing he does is look for magic mushrooms. Wow. He f- so, the berserker finds some magic mushrooms. He takes the magic mushrooms. He finds some very potent magic mushrooms. He takes some magic mushrooms and decides he is a bear. <laughs> he then decides to climb a tree. He fails to climb the tree and gets very frustrated by this. So, he remembers that there is a giant nearby. And as a bear, he's going to sneak up on the giant and spy on it to see what it's doing. (laughs) So the berserker sneaks through the woods towards the giant's home, and he sees across the river the giant chopping logs outside his house, and the giant does indeed appear to be injured. So the berserker decides, as a bear, because he's wearing a bearskin cloak, so he must be a bear, right? So he decides to cross the river and sneak around behind to the back of the giant's house to see if he can break in and steal some food. Right? And the giant sees him crossing the river 
and and stands up and bellows at him. At which point the berserker stands up and announces, I am the spirit of the bear you killed days ago, and I have come to get my revenge. And unless you tell me what happened to... At which point the the giant just, you know, he, he doesn't understand. He's angry. He just charges. So the berserker charges as well. And we went straight into combat and it was all over in two rounds and my character was dead. <laughs> hey, I, I took over the giant's health off him on a single blow, though, because berserkers can actually do that. And I, I had, like, the, the, the drama points or action points or whatever it is to... Um, the, the fury points. It's furor, the fury points. So... Um, I had the Fury Point to buy an extra attack, but it would have been a huge penalty and not done much damage. So I was like, I'll save it for next round. And then I got killed next round before I got to attack back. It was like, yeah, I charged in. I got hit hard by the giant. I hit him back. And then the next round, he got initiative and killed me. It was like, okay, you know what? Fair way to go for Berserker. It felt right, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and and that was actually so enjoyable. I went and bought the system that day there and then before the game slot even ended and then I came and sat and listened to how it went for the rest of them and it was fun yeah. so yeah n- nice uh, I wish there were more conventions in Sweden hey, hey I get to go like one convention a year there, there, there's some over here and there probably are you know more there, there's plenty but I, I go to what I can you know because it's relatively local anyway we, we've probably witted on a bit beyond the end of the scenario now so we should probably wrap up recording and say bye bye and we can carry on chatting a bit if you want yeah Okay, so it's good mic from me. And a 